Hi, I'm Casey Hobbs. And I'm Shane Mason. And we're the hosts of Nurse Talk Radio. Please join us for this special edition podcast. At seven months pregnant, intensive care doctor Rana Adish suffered a catastrophic medical event, hemorrhaging nearly all of her blood volume and losing her unborn first child. She spent months fighting for her life in her own hospital and during a series of organ failures and multiple major surgeries. Every step of the way, Adish was faced with something even more unexpected and shocking than her battle to survive, her fellow doctor's inability to see and acknowledge the pain of loss and human suffering, the result of a self-protective barrier hardwired in medical training. In shock is Rana Adish's searing account of her extraordinary journey from doctor to patient, during which she sees for the first time the dysfunction of her profession's disconnection from patients and the flaws in her own past practice as a doctor. Shatteringly personal yet wholly universal, it is both a brave roadmap for anyone navigating illness and a call to arms for doctors to see each patient not as a diagnosis but as a human being. Here with us is Dr. Rana Adish. She's a critical care physician and faculty member of Wayne State University School of Medicine and current director of the care experience for the Henry Ford Hospital System. Dr. Adish, welcome to Nurse Talk. So great to have you with us today. Thank you for having me. So the introduction to your book is titled A Chance to Die. Can you share the significance of that with us, please? Yeah. So coincidentally, my critical illness came at the very end of my medical training. I actually had just completed my critical care fellowship the very day that a tumor in my liver ruptured, causing me to bleed to death. And what I felt followed that sort of very long critical illness was really my chance to understand what so many of my patients had been through that I had been somewhat blind to. Yes, it's it's remarkable. And, you know, nurses certainly experience this as well, that we make this protective barrier. So in the operating room, you heard them say she's been trying to die on us. What went through your mind when you heard that? I did. It was terrifying. The The moment when they were saying that my kidneys and liver had shut down and I had already nearly bled to death, the baby I was pregnant with had already died. And it really, as a physician, got my attention because I realized how critical the situation was. But then he followed it with, guys, she's circling the drain here. Mm. And I remember thinking, my God, I can hear you. And in truth, that could have been the very last thing I had ever heard because I I could have very easily died that night. What amazes me about that is you had a hemoglobin of three and you were still conscious enough to have a full cognition of what was being said and know what that meant and, and react to it with a hemoglobin less than three. That's remarkable. You know, adrenaline is a very powerful drug, and I think if your body, your physical body, is threatened with death in that way, you become so hyper-aware of your surroundings in a way that it's almost impossible to describe, but every piece of data seems critical when you're dying. How long were you in surgery? How long did that initial period take? So that first operating room incident when they evacuated the baby and they did an exploratory laparotomy, um, it it was a few hours because they were searching for the cause of my decompensation. And because I was in hemorrhagic shock, I had to be transfused, you know, massive transfusion protocol over 26 units. And they actually just stopped because they were so worried about 
me getting even just to the ICU that they staged the surgery. They just closed me with a whip stitch and thought they'd stabilize me in the ICU and bring me back. So did they know at the time that the tumor in your liver had ruptured? No. Actually, the prevailing diagnosis at that time was HELP syndrome. They thought that I had that very rare condition of pregnancy where you have hemolysis and your blood is sort of shredded. Mm. Um, It actually wasn't until a year later that we found the tumors in my liver and understood the sequence of events that had caused that first night to happen. And how long did the whole recovery take? Oh, all told, from all of the surgeries, um, I was sick on and off for eight years. But that first event, from the moment I got critically ill to when I went back to work, was six months. So you went back to work in six months, and yet it was another full uh, seven and a half years, or seven years, before you were fully recovered? Yeah. Once they found the tumors in my liver, I then had to have a hepatectomy, I had to have abdominal reconstruction because they'd sewed me so quickly with a whip stitch that I developed all of these hernias Mm. that needed to be put back together. And then I developed recurrent episodes of biliary sepsis from Mm. the hepatectomy. So it really took until just two years ago for that to be put behind me. And in your book, you say that this experience changed your entire outlook of what medicine should be. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, in all of my training, we'd been so oriented to the disease. That was what we were focused on, on diagnosing and treating, and in rare cases, curing the disease. And what shocked me throughout all of my illness was that although the medicine went so perfectly and was brilliant and I survived unsurvivable things, that what was missing there was really a sense that I was seen as a patient, that my suffering was seen, that I was tended to in a way that helped me to not only be treated, but to be healed. And it was shameful for me because I really realized that as a physician, I had missed the mark. I thought that by treating my patients' diseases, I would ameliorate their suffering, when in reality, if you don't tend to the suffering itself, you can't really heal. So through your Clear Conversations program, you're trying to address that lack of effective communication and empathy that you experienced as a patient. So did it help or hinder you bringing this idea to your own hospital? And what barriers did you encounter? You know, when we first brought it to the physicians, I really thought I was trying to help my patients. I thought that what I had seen was that my physician colleagues didn't have the tools they needed to have these conversations empathetically and deliver bad news with great compassion. And what's been really remarkable about it is how welcomed it's been by the physicians that we recognize that this is not something that we spend time training. Unlike nurses, I think the nursing curriculum around compassion is really something we should embody and emulate because it's not in our training. So surprisingly, we haven't met with much resistance. I think it's a a knowledge gap that we're aware of. And, you know, to be fair, it's a very hard thing to do to go into a patient room and give bad news when you've had no training in it. To know how to do it well is really rewarding and helps with physician resilience and well-being as well. So how has this changed your practice? How are you different now as in your job as a doctor? 
I am so much more willing to enter those difficult spaces with my patients, to feel their emotions with them and just be present and not feel that I have to have a solution or answer in every moment, but to just hold the space of their suffering and know that together we can face whatever's ahead. I think in many ways I had skipped that part in the past. And do you find that that separates you in any way, uh, that that's more painful for you? Because I think the opinion always was that this somehow, you know, to be separate helps doctors, you know, move through what they do. Have you found it to be draining at all or problematic that you now are interacting on a deeper level? I have found it to be incredibly enriching. I think that story that we were all taught that if you connect, you will be depleted was a lie. And it was really propagated because they didn't have anything better to offer us. They didn't know what to tell us to do when we connected and felt feelings. So we're working to build a real culture of resilience for our our caregivers so that when they do encounter hard times, there's something to buttress them and, and help them to recover from it. I think it's important, too, for people to take a look at why they're going into any particular profession. Um, and it sounds like, you know, there was probably already something inside you that got awakened through this process. Um, but I've seen uh, some people go into medical or nursing. And I think that the reasons that they go into the field maybe make it difficult for them to expand their empathy, if you will. Mm-hmm. I think that's very true. I think in in medicine, we've gotten a little bit enamored by the all of the biochemical sort of aspects, the human genome, all of the potential for medicine that cures. And we got away from our roots of really attending to suffering and the humanistic aspect of it. Yeah. So once again, the book is In Shock. And can you tell us where our listeners can find it? It's happily everywhere. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and independent booksellers everywhere. Well, I found the bits. I haven't had a chance to read the whole book, but I've uh, seen your conversations about it, which are very moving and, and wonderful. So is there any, anything else that you'd like to share, Dr. Oddish? I think just encouraging everyone who enters this amazing field that we're all a part of to really keep yourself whole and don't feel that you have to fit some mold that isn't true to who you are. If we bring ourselves and empathy to medicine, it will change to fit us. Yes, great. And this has been this is now a more rewarding job for you since you've been doing this. Beyond. Excellent. Thank you so much for being with us today and thank you for thank sharing you. your remarkable story. To learn more about this topic, visit Rana Oddish MD. We're gonna put that up on the website.com or nurse talksite.com. 